Hello, welcome to Universally Challenged. I'm Zach, and I'll be your only host this week. So you're in luck. You know, you don't have to listen to those other people talk. This week, we're going to be doing a little fact-checking. Anne Hathaway was recently on The View. I'm sure everybody loves to watch The View. I know I, I just sometimes I... I set up my VCR to record. I'm sure everybody still has a VCR, but I set my VCR to record the view, and I try to keep up with it. You know, those ladies really got their uh, finger on the pulse of the people. So anyway, I saw Anne Hathaway on there, and she said, abortion is another word for mercy. I thought that's crazy, you know. I'm always breaking out my thesaurus and trying to find, you know, synonyms and antonyms for different words. And uh, I just didn't remember that being in there as a synonym. So let's just go check the Google machine, see what it says. Well, let me see here. Synonyms. Miscarriage. What else do we got here? Failure. Disappointment. Disaster. Fiasco. No, not seeing any mercy under synonyms let me look down here a little bit uh we've got synonyms for the word failure a lot more of those than we uh do for abortion itself and it it is a it is a synonym for abortion so let's see what we got on that we got botch bungle bust collapse decay decline defeat deficiency I mean, I, I'm just not seeing mercy in here anywhere. Let me see. Under the M's, we got misadventure, miscarriage, misstep. Hmm. Nothing that sounds like mercy. That is strange. Maybe I'm missing the point here. Maybe if I go look at the word mercy, I'll find where it talks about how it's related to abortion. Let's check that out, okay? Let's see here. Just going with the Google definition, uh, I think it just says dictionary. It says mercy, plural noun is mercies. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Similar is compassion, grace, pity, charity, forgiveness, forbearance. I mean, I'm just not seeing abortion in here. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. And if you really look at this from a mercy standpoint, the only way that uh, a potential mother could show mercy would be to not harm her fetus, if that's what you want to call it. I, I usually just say baby. You know, showing compassion on it and not killing it. I mean, I know people don't like the term killing, but I mean. If it's a life, you're ending it, so you're killing it, right? I just like to use the the correct terms, if at all possible. She would definitely be the one who has the power to punish or harm in this situation. The I, I don't know. I, th I think it would take some twisted logic to say that a fetus or a baby is within the position to punish or harm the mother, unless you're just saying by its existence that is causing pain to this person or it's costing them money or it's disrupting their life, I guess. I don't know. I, in that way, I guess we're all inconveniences to our parents, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just the truth. So let's see. What, what's she talking about here? So we all know what abortion is. I, I don't have to go through and explain that to everybody. It's a hot topic these days. It's a very emotional issue. Um, 
it's tough not to get into conversations about it that don't go south. You know, very seldom can people have a conversation over abortion without someone getting emotional. And that's just a true thing. I try not to, on social media, get mixed up in too many back-and-forth conversations with people because I don't really feel like it accomplishes a lot. I will occasionally get sucked into an abortion conversation because it's kind of a hot-button topic for me. And when people go on there celebrating abortions or talking about how badly they're needed and how it's saving lives... It just it pricks me the wrong way. And I've, I've been caught up in a couple of back and forth four days conversations. The, the great thing is they all want to hear my opinion, though, because I always get said, I'm glad we're hearing from a white man on this. You know, that's it's good to know because I am a white man and, and they seem to value my opinion on abortion. Uh, I usually point out to them, I said, uh, why are you being racist and sexist? And they'll be, what are you talking about? I'm not racist and sexist. It sounds like you're telling me because I'm white, my race, and because I'm a man, you know, sexist, that I have no say and or I shouldn't be speaking on this issue as if I'm not a human being. This is a human being issue. And I don't know if they realize that the babies that are being aborted do not have voices for themselves. They cannot speak up for themselves. And if I was to stand by and not say anything not point out the error of their way and, and show and talk about it being, I mean, it's an evil act to take a life. And that's what's happening. It is a human life in that stage of development. Go back and ask science about it, okay? Ask the scientists. They will tell you that every bit of DNA that you're ever going to have is there at conception. I mean, that's just from a, a biological, scientific standpoint. Now, you're in a stage of development where you're an embryo at that time. And you become a fetus, but you eventually become an infant, a toddler, adolescent, adult, older adult. At what stage is it okay to kill a person in their stage of development? You can say they're dependent on the mother as a fetus or as an embryo, but I swear to you, they're dependent on their mother a lot longer than that. Sometimes even after high school, they're dependent on their mother. A little child does not survive on its own. Infants especially doesn't. A toddler doesn't. So... To me, it's a moot point. It's just a stage of development, you know, and there's also the standpoint of this is maybe a young girl that was um, had some form of sexual assault and she's pregnant. And that is a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, I know many people want to make exceptions in the case of rape and incest. And, you know, God is totally against those things. And, and there's plenty of verses in the Bible that coincide with that. But only God can create a life. That life is there. You, you don't punish the child of a rapist. You don't punish the child of a murderer. You punish the rapist and the murderer. I say give the rapist the death penalty, not the baby. And, of course, that's a horrible situation for, for a girl in that situation. But, you know, we've talked about before on this podcast, you can go back and listen to why do bad things happen to good people and kind of get my thoughts on that situation but it's still not it's not a reason to end a life and beyond the scientific argument as to we are human life from the point of conception that all our dna exists we're just in a different stage of development i would i would make a a biblical argument for it of course science science always supports the bible genesis tells us that god created man and woman in his own image it was a very intimate thing. 
he took from the dirt and formed Adam with his own hands, and he breathed life into his nostrils. This is something God's involved in in creating man as a special creation. And, of course, he took from Adam's side and created Eve, which is also a very personal thing. But it it doesn't stop there because he basically does the same thing with all of us. I mean, if you look back in uh, Jeremiah um, 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be the prophet to the nations. Okay, that that is God speaking there. And he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He had a determined plan for Jeremiah. And when it came time for his creation, God actually was part of the forming of Jeremiah. And this, this is uh, not just him. Let's go. Let's speak what uh, David has to talk about in Psalm 139. Verse 13 says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That is God knitting, as in using his hands for David. And he also says in verse 16, he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has plans for people. He is intimately in the process of creating people. When, when God's involved... In the womb, and even before that, who are we to say who should come into this world and who shouldn't come into this world? If you're a people, if you're a person, if you're a human being, you are created in the image of God. We don't have the right to stop that, okay? We just don't. I know I'm not a woman. I know I never have to carry a child, and I don't have those concerns of you know being assaulted and maybe carrying the child of someone who assaulted me. I do have a a wife. I have a daughter. I I know I wouldn't want anything like that to ever happen to them. But I am a human being, and I don't have to be a woman to know it's wrong to end the life of a baby in the womb. Okay, I I don't have to be black to know slavery is wrong, and I I don't have to be a woman to know abortion is wrong. And that's just, you know, maybe where I'm going to leave that this week. There's a whole huge conversation on abortion that we can get into in the future. I'd prefer if like Scooter or Bryant was here with me so we could kind of have our talking points and go back and forth on it. But I do want to talk a little bit about mercy and what mercy really is. True mercy can only come from God. The definition we read earlier says, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Okay? God is definitely in that position as sinners we all deserve god's wrath we don't want god's wrath we want god's mercy if you've ever told a lie if you've ever stolen anything if you've ever looked at someone and had lustful thoughts about them you know jesus says that if if you look with lust you've committed adultery in your heart you know if you're angry at your brother you've committed murder so we're all guilty even the pharisees who would say they've never committed any of these sins. Jesus was telling them, God's standard is higher than your standard. And if you thought these things, which we have, everyone has, then you, you're you in God's sight, you're a sinner, deserving a punishment according to his law that he sets forth because he's in, he's in control, he has a moral law, he says this is right and wrong. And it is, 
He is our standard for what is right and wrong. And if you fall short of that, you, you've sinned against God. There's a there's a great punishment for that. It's called hell. I mean, it's not a great punishment. It's a horrible punishment. Well, God does offer us mercy. He offers us grace. That's unmerited favor, something you don't deserve and you can't earn. Well, we are all as sinners deserving of hell. And Christ came lived a perfect life. This is God becoming man, living a perfect life, living the life that we should live, that we can't live, and taking the punishment for our sins upon himself. And if you believe on Christ, you're imputed with his righteousness. You you are made pure before God, and you can enter into his rest and into heaven. It's the great exchange. He took your punishment, and you take his righteousness, and it's the greatest thing that could ever happen. You know, you just have to believe on Christ and believe in the work that he has done and trust in it. And God is faithful to save. You're saved by grace through faith. And grace, that's truly another word for mercy. Anyway, well, it's getting to be that time of year again. You know, the holiday. The holiday where we celebrate the jolly fat man with the beard likes to wear red. No, I'm not talking in third person here. I'm talking about Santa Claus. Uh, yeah, we all know it. Uh, we Probably a lot of us have done it. Um, anybody that's had children, I mean, we grow up in a culture where this is a common game. I don't have to explain what Santa Claus is to people. He, he's the magical, mythical creature. He, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake, right? That's a good thing. Teaching your children to be good and uh, to behave themselves so uh, a magical dude will come down their chimney on Christmas and give them toys, right? It's a, it's a behavior modification tool. Well, like many people in today's culture, I grew up with this game as a kid. Uh, I enjoyed it as a young child. It, there was something magical about it, about knowing that that somebody's coming to your house, even though it's kind of, I guess you think about it too much, kind of scary that this older man's sneaking into your house and putting stuff in there, but you you enjoy the bounty of which he is supplying, right? Is this okay for Christians to play this game? I know we all ask this, and any of us that are parents, a lot of us have probably played this game with our children. Uh, you know, I grew up playing it, and whenever my older children were younger, we played the game with them. It's a nostalgia thing. You know, we enjoyed doing it probably more than we enjoyed playing it. Is it right, though? Well, it's actually kind of a complicated answer and not a complicated answer all at the same time. On one level, you feel like you're playing a harmless game with your children, something that's going to bring them joy. I mean, you like the excitement that they have for Christmas morning. But what's the reason for Christmas? Is the is the reason for Christmas Santa Claus, as I had stated before? Or is the reason we celebrate Christmas the birth of Christ? Now, Christmas is many things to many people, but as Christians, we do it to celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, and I know there's many Christians out there that would say we shouldn't even be celebrating Christmas and that the roots of the holiday are pagan. And they have fair points on their side. I personally, my family, we celebrate Christmas. 
we try to put the focus on Christ. You know, we we always read the scriptures on the morning of Christmas. Speaking of Christ's birth, we try to go to different parts of the Bible and point out, you know, the promise of him coming, the fact that he did come, and make that the center focus of what we're doing. I know that there are pagan roots with the time of year, uh, different things like the parts of the Christmas tree, but we do not use them in that way. We use them to honor Christ, and we think of Christ when we're doing them. Uh, I heard a Christian man one time say that, yes, of course, everything we do has pagan roots because he said we come from pagans. <laughs> you know, we were pagans, and now we're Christians, but... um you know, we're not doing them in the same way that the pagans did. We're not doing them for the same reasons now. So in my house, we we choose to celebrate Christmas. It's a great time of year to get together with your family, and especially if you're doing it for the right purpose. And yes, not everything we do is necessarily cross-focused. You know, we, we still participate in the giving of the gifts. We hang stockings. It's considered fun at our house, and I, I think most people probably do most of these things. The issue with Santa Claus is, I think, ultimately, you're lying to your children. And I admitted earlier, I've played this game with my older children that are, uh, you know, one's in their 20s, one's a, an adult, 18 years old, and I, I do have a three-year-old as well. But I think looking back on it, I wouldn't have done it again. And we're not planning on doing this with our three-year-old. I feel like that it establishes dishonesty between the parent and the child. I should only speak truth no matter who I'm speaking to, and there is no such thing as a white lie. It is sad that we all lie so much that it's just built into us that almost truths or lies that we don't consider harmful, we have to come up with a new word for because we do not know how to speak the truth. So if we're not speaking a lie... We're speaking white lies. We should, <laughs> anyway, that's a, that is a rant for another day, ladies and gentlemen. But I think the number one thing is you should always be honest with your children. I do not believe it hurts to, for them to know about the Santa Claus game and to understand what their friends are doing when they're playing it, but to teach them it as a truth is not something that we should be participating in, in my opinion. You know, the Bible, it's one of the Ten Commandments is, you know, not to bear false witness. You know, Exodus twenty sixteen, In Psalms 101, 7, it says, No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue before my eyes. That's what Scripture says. So I, I don't think you can make an argument that it's okay to lie to your child, even if you feel like it's all in fun. And secondly, you're teaching your child about Santa Claus. And I think back to when you were a kid and you learned about Santa Claus. He's someone that always knows what's going on. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. That sounds like attributes God has to me. I never understood what the difference, as a little kid, I would think about what's the difference between Santa and God. And whenever I would ask those type of questions, I would get things back like, oh, well, you know, he's God's helper, you know, that type thing. Like he has the, he has the same abilities as God. Who's to distinguish which is right and which is, you know, which is which. They both have the same thing. They're both looking, they're both looking to see if you're doing bad or good. You know, they can see you wherever you are, whenever you are. So 
when your kid eventually is going to age out of this game, they're going to know you're lying to them. They might feel hurt over it. They may distrust you as a parent. They may not believe the things you taught them about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The very true things, they, they are all invisible. They all have certain attributes. Well, if this one's not true, why is God true? How do I know they're being honest when they tell me this? Or is this just another trick to modify my behavior? I mean, those are real things I think we have to ask ourselves. I know of a, a friend of mine, and I'm sure he loves his children, he says that he teaches them the true story of Santa Claus. And he teaches them about um, the, the man Saint Nick, who was from the you know, 4th century, who I guess was a priest or something at the time. And he inherited a bunch of money. And he went around giving gifts to people. And he would put toys in kids' stockings. And he would sneak in sometimes even through like their chimneys or however he could get into their house and put stuff there and leave it for the next day. And he said, so he's not lying to him. He's teaching about an actual person that existed that Santa Claus, Santa Claus is currently based upon. That I still, to, to pick a nit here, which is what I do, I guess, I have an issue with that. Because you're also, in that case, teaching them that Christmas is about Santa Claus. That it's about this guy that lived and we're doing all these things because of all the nice things that he did. And at the end of the day, it should be all about God's gift to us through sending his son, God becoming man. The greatest miracle that's ever happened, and that includes creation, is God stepping out of heaven into human form. So no matter how you celebrate Christmas, we should make it about Christ and not about Santa Claus would be my ultimate point there. And at the end of the day, we all have Christian liberty. The Bible does not speak directly to the subject of whether you can play the Santa Claus game with your kids or not. And I'm not judging what other people do. Like I said, I participated in that before. I'm not going to continue to participate in it, mainly because of the lying issue. And not, I don't want to steal any glory from Christ. Let's say that. We want to put the focus on him and start off with that honest relationship with our children. So my advice would be, have fun on the holidays. Enjoy your family. Open gifts if you choose to share gifts with each other. Sing songs. And, and glorify God for the greatest gift he's ever given, his son, Jesus Christ. How I transition from that, I, I do not know. But I was watching the YouTube this week. I don't know how many of you get caught in the YouTube loop. But I, my television pretty much just watches YouTube. And Google always tries to predict what they think you want to watch. And sometimes they're spot on and sometimes they're not. But every now and again, I get to watch a musician's play. And this week, when I was in my loop, I was watching uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan performance, Flooding Down in Texas. I don't know where he was. I'm sure if you look up the video, you'll probably see the exact same one I saw. But it was amazing. I don't know how many of you know about Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was probably one of the if not the greatest blues guitarist ever live and as i watch him play i mean i'm truly transfixed this guy i mean it's nothing short of amazing how he plays the guitar and i i know i'm not the music guy who can tell you all the greatest musicians that ever lived but I, i'm telling you he, he's so good and the the way he played was so amazing even somebody like me can appreciate it and i'm telling you 
he's probably one of the greatest musicians that ever walked the face of the earth. Probably Beethoven, Mozart, C. Ray Vaughan, whatever category you want to put in, he's in that type category as far as his ability to play. I got to thinking about Steve Ray Vaughan, and for people that don't know, August 27th, 1990, he tragically died in a helicopter accident. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, this, this is one of those people that you would call one of the great people that's ever been on this planet, and death did not pass him by. That he eventually had his time in his appointed meeting with God. And I'm an insignificant person who's not made my mark on this earth. I mean, I've had children. Uh, That's that's important to me that I I pass Christ on through my children. That's the only lasting thing I have, and that's the only lasting thing I need. But if God would make sure this man had his appointed time at judgment, we're all going to be there soon. So just keep that in mind that every day is not guaranteed. Anyway, that's just a little reminder. If you haven't already, go out, share the gospel with somebody this week. And if you have already shared the gospel with somebody this week, share the gospel with somebody else. Thank you for listening and supporting our podcast. Until next time, keep styling and profiling. You see casts?